You're listening to the Audacious Church Podcast. This message was recorded live at our Chester campus. We know this is a great investment into your life. So tune in, listen up and stay focused. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We're in a part two of a four-week series called This Audacious Life. Pastor Glenn preached last week, and I'm doing this week and the next two, the whole series. And then we are on the lead up to Vision Sunday on October 29th, where we're going to give a vision offering. We're going to talk about the vision and next steps for Chester and Audacious Church, which is super exciting. So pray with us, get prepared for what's going to be a really cool season in the life of church. In this series, This Audacious Life, this is not about empire building. This is about kingdom building. This isn't about teaching the culture of Audacious Church because we model our culture around a king and a kingdom. We model our culture around Jesus. So this series, This Audacious Life, is all about us looking at the Bible, seeing the culture of the kingdom, seeing how Jesus lived his life, and building the culture of our church around a king and a kingdom. We sang a song just now about heaven being my home and Jesus being on the throne. What I love is that it's a great story in the Bible where James and John approach Jesus and say to Jesus, they say, can one of us sit at your left and one of us at your right in glory? And Jesus rebukes them. He says, you have no idea what you're asking. You cannot drink the cup I'm about to drink. Because on the left and the right of Jesus when he was on the cross were the thieves. They didn't know what they were asking. They were asking to be on the cross with Jesus. They couldn't drink from that cup. But also what they were asking was, can one of us sit on your left and on your right in the kingdom of heaven? Where does Jesus sit in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus sits on the right hand of the Father. They were asking Jesus if they could take the place of God. It's a crazy story, but I love that image that Jesus is on the throne. And if Jesus is on the throne, that means he's on the throne of your life. He's on the throne of your workplace, of your family, of your context, of whatever situation you find yourself in. Jesus is on the throne. Five people are excited about that. Would you like to be in the throne of your life? No. You're like me. You don't have a clue. Praise God. He is on the throne. And everybody said, amen. Great. We're going to do a message called Fiercely Determined. Turn to your neighbor and say, fiercely determined. You're very polite and British. Say it with a bit of, uh, fiercely determined. Better. Better. Think with me to a moment where you've almost given up, but you chose not to. Almost given up, but chose not to. When we went to Ukraine, me and a couple of pastors a few weeks ago, we were traveling back and we drove nine hours from South Ukraine up to the Polish border in a bus. It was long. I don't know if you've spent nine hours on a bus, but we called it bus lag. We were in another place in our heads at the end of that drive. It was crazy. It was so long. We drove to the Polish border took us an hour and a half to get through the Polish border, then two and a half hours to Krakow. Then we flew from Krakow to Frankfurt, and we are tired. We're trying to get back for Pastor Paul's birthday on the Saturday. And as we land in Frankfurt, we are told that our flight is canceled. Cancel. It's his birthday tomorrow. He's got to get back to the kids. It's a moment of what are we going to do? So in true, you know, Seriously fun, one of the messages we'll do in a few weeks, fashion, we decided 
that with everybody else who's trying to catch their flights because we've been delayed, they're sprinting through the airport. We decide to run with them. We're sprinting through the airport. We've nowhere to be, but we're running. There's some girl who's carrying a bag. She's so like, my gosh, she must run marathon. She is legging it down the airport. And the three of us blokes just running up, keeping up with her, running. People looking, do you have somewhere to be? No, we're just running. We're just joining in with the chaos, the pandemonium. So we get stand in the queue for two and a half hours to get the hotel vouchers. We get to the hotel. It's 12 at night. We're starving, haven't had anything to eat. And Pastor Paul and I walk into Frankfurt. We get to McDonald's. I'm on the phone with Lufthansa for 40 minutes, trying to get flights for the Saturday to get us back for his birthday. They couldn't do anything. They told us, if you just stay in your hotel and wait, you'll get an email with a new flight. We said, hmm, sounds ominous. Not sure I want to do that. Wait around for this mystery email that may or may not arrive. So we walked back to our hotel and it is pouring it down in Frankfurt. There's a thunderstorm and we only have the clothes on our backs. I am soaking. And we get back to the hotel and I take my t-shirt off, put it on a lamp in the hope that all night long the heat from the lamp is going to dry out my t-shirt for tomorrow morning, which it didn't. You don't need to try it. And I was soaking, woke up the next day back at the airport, stand in a queue, decided that we wouldn't wait around and give up and hope that an email would get us back for church on Sunday, but that we would try and make a way. We would make a way to make it happen. So we stand again in the queue. We get to the front. The lady at the desk says, there's no flights. We're so sorry. We are like, yes, there's bound to be a flight. You can get us back in to preach on Sunday. She gets us a flight. So we arrive on Sunday morning, the airport at quarter past nine, get here at 10 a.m., I preached the 11 a.m. service, full of bus lag and jet lag, and I got a change of clothes, thanks to my wife. Praise the Lord. And everybody said amen. Fiercely determined, didn't want to give up. And I think all of us in life, we have these junctions of hardship where we can either push through and be fiercely determined, or we can give up when the going gets tough. Albert Einstein had, had the same moment. At nine years old, he wasn't fluent in his language, couldn't speak eloquently, couldn't speak properly. He got expelled from school because of his rebellious nature. Could have given up on life, but made a decision to be fiercely determined. Michael Jordan's coaches said he was too small to make it in basketball. But good job, Michael Jordan decided to be fiercely determined and press through because we all now know him to be one of the best, best basketballers in History, a beautiful lady called Carmen Herrera at the age of 89 in 2004 was finally discovered after almost nine decades of painting from the age of 12 and never being able to sell a single painting. Catch that, nine decades, couldn't sell one painting. She became the best new artist in the world in that year. In 2020, at the age of almost 103, her painting sold for over $1 million. Could have given up at the junction of hardship, but chose to be fiercely determined. It's a picture coming up on the screens just now. This is what it looks like. We can push through the junction of hardship to get to the diamonds and dig through the soil, but how many of us know that sometimes in life, the going gets tough and we 
give up. We turn around, we walk away when the going gets tough. But look how close he is to the diamonds. And I want to suggest today, church, your calling, your destiny, your God potential is on the other side of the junction of hardship. It just takes you and I to be fiercely determined when the going gets tough. Martin Luther King Jr. said it like this, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, keep moving forward. This message today is all about you moving forward in Jesus' name. How do we do it? How do we live a life that is fiercely determined? I want to suggest three points. The first one is this, start with why. Start with why. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, start with why. Start with why. In Luke 9, verse 51, we pick up this verse in, a, in the narrative, and it says this, as the time approached for him, this is Jesus, to be taken up to heaven, Jesus resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem. Did you know Jesus had a why? Jesus had vision. What is vision? Vision is a picture of the future that produces passion. Vision articulates possibility. Vision doesn't live within the confines of what is, but breaks through the confines, sets a new precedent, doesn't operate under a glass ceiling, but vision articulates what is possible. In other words, Jesus had vision. Jesus had a why. In Proverbs 28 19, it says, without vision, without a why, people perish. It was because of a lack of vision that the Israelites spent 40 years walking through the desert, going nowhere. A whole generation died out and were wasted because of a lack of vision. But it was vision that caused Rebecca in the Bible to walk 50 steps down to the well and 50 steps back up to water camels that led into her destiny. It was a why, it was vision that caused the Apostle Paul to endure hardship, famine, plenty, shipwreck, torture, because he had a why for the gospel and the glory of God. It is a why that sent Jesus from heaven to earth, the baby in a manger that became the man on a cross. It was the why that brought him from online to FaceTime to come and be the savior of humanity. Praise God that Jesus had a why. It says Jesus resolutely set out toward Jerusalem. Jesus has just come into the end of his three years of ministry. 12 years old or 13, he had his bar mitzvah. He became a man and spent the next 18, 17 years in intense study to get to his ministry at age 30. That wasn't unusual at the time. Rabbis at the time started their ministry at the age of 30. It wasn't unusual. So Jesus spent 17, 18 years in preparation for this ministry, for this moment. But there came an appointed time at the age of 30 where Jesus stepped into his destiny. And I don't know if this is a word for you today, but some of you have got an appointed time that you haven't stepped into it right now, but it's a season of preparation, of study, of going deeper into the presence of God, of exploring your calling. And there's coming an appointed time in your life where everything's gonna come alive and your ministry, your calling, your workplace, your career is gonna springboard into the next level for all that God has 
for you. Jesus now is at the end of three years and sets his face towards Jerusalem. The whole narrative shifts from healing and ministry towards the cross. He suddenly fixates his vision towards dying, rescuing humanity on the cross. Jesus could endure the cross because Jesus had a why. But if we're honest, all of us have times where we totally forget our why. In Luke 22, 41 to 44, Jesus has a moment, catches Jesus, has a moment where he needs reminded of his why. Jesus, the Bible says, withdrew about a stone's throw from beyond them and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. This is humanity coming through. Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. This is the why of the Father. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. In this moment, Jesus is on the Mount of Olives. He's praying. He's in last chance saloon because in ours time, Judas, one of his mates, is going to come into town with a trip to take him away and arrest him and take him on the journey toward the cross. This is his get out clause. Jesus could change his mind in this moment. But Jesus, reminded of his why, says, not my will, but yours be done. Whatever you're going through right now, there's a why. Whatever you're facing right now, there's a why. The emotions, the long days, the hardship that you're facing, you'd rather not, but there is a why. And Jesus, his why, was following the will of the Father. And I want to ask you today, church, is your why following the will of the Father or the will of culture? I want you to make a decision today to follow the will of the Father. You'll not go wrong following the will of God for your life. Even though there's hardship, even though there's suffering, even though there's pain, even though there's lack, even though there's uncertainty, you've got a God, like I said earlier, who's on the throne of heaven. So even when you're going through the fire, you're not going to come out smelling of smoke because you're in the will of God for your life. What is your why? you don't know, ask God today. Carmen Herrera, the age of 103, stepped fully into her purpose and it all made sense. What is your why? Start with why and be fiercely determined. The second thing is don't get distracted. How do you live fiercely determined? Don't get distracted got a little brother. He's 27 years old. He is nothing like me. He's broad shoulders. He's tall. He would take me. I, I used to pick on him when he was younger and I was older, you know, and he was smaller and I was taller. And then now my brother, when we have an arm wrestle, he almost breaks my arm, right? He's just strong. And I regret all of those years that I tortured him because I'm paying for it now. But my little brother was at sports day um, we were watching, we were in the same school, so I was in the crowd with my friends watching him at the race, and my parents came to watch him, you know, they're excited, he might win a medal, you know, this was back in the days where only the top three won a medal, there was no medal for trying, there was no good effort cup, it was first, second, third, you got a medal, and if you were fourth, well, sorry, you just weren't good enough, that was what... I grew up in, might explain why I'm so messed up. But anyway, <laughs> top three, 
got a prize. And my brother, he's excited. He's like, I could do this. He was fast. The younger he was fast. It was a sprint race. And as they're all lining up on the start line, looking towards the finish line with their eyes focused on the finish line, waiting for the teacher to blow the whistle at Mark Go, my brother looks at us in the crowd. He's scanning the crowd trying to find us and he sees my parents and everybody else's eyes on the line and my brother is enjoying the limelight. He's waving, look at me, everybody. Parents, I'm here, I've made it. I'm at the start, I'm gonna do. And as soon as he started waving, the race started and he was left behind, came last because he was completely distracted. The disciples have this moment. It's hilarious. They're totally distracted. In Luke 9, 47, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, took a little child, the Bible said, and had him stand beside him. Then he said to him, whoever welcomes this little child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For it is the one who is least among you who is the greatest. Right? All sounds good so far. Master said, John, we saw someone driving out demons in your name. And we tried to stop him because he is not one of us. Do not stop him, Jesus said. Forever is not against you, is for you. Is anybody else as confused at this conversation as I am? We're talking about welcoming little kids into the kingdom. It's like dedication on Sunday. It's a soft, gentle moment. John comes in. Jesus, we've seen someone casting out demons. He's totally distracted, focusing on what is going on over there instead of focusing on what is going on in front of him. In other words, John is looking at the grass on the other side of the fence, the neighbor's grass that looks nicer and better and isn't watering his own grass. He's looking at the lane over there and not running his Lean. And if we're going to be fiercely determined as the people of God, we have to be laser focused on our Jerusalem, on our lane, on our calling and what God has assigned for us to do. Because otherwise the whistle will blow and we'll be looking around and we'll be completely distracted by what else is going on. Some of you today, you're distracted, not just by the band getting on stage, but you come into Sunday. Can I be pastoral for a moment? You come into the presence of God, and we've all had these moments. You come into praise, come into worship, come into preaching, and you start to think about life, start to think about dinner, start to think about friends, start to think about Instagram. So suddenly you find yourself in the house of God for an hour and 15 on a Sunday, a small portion of the week, completely distracted, scrolling Instagram, scrolling Facebook, thinking about what's going on over there, instead of positioning your heart, ready to hear a download from God that's going to set you up for your week and for your year. We cannot be fiercely determined if we're distracted by what is going on over there. You cannot live fiercely determined if you're distracted by the Facebook timeline of what everybody else is going through. You can't be fiercely determined if you don't know your why. So today, church, start with why. Don't get distracted and be fiercely determined. The last thing, everybody say last thing. We all need to do, please, please do this, is don't turn back. Don't turn back back. No turning back. Some of you will know this story because I've been here a while. Others, it'll be brand new. But I moved here as a young guy at 22 years old, packed my whole life into a Fiat Punto and moved from Northern Ireland to Chester. And at the time, it was hard. 
In fact, I think all of us, life is just hard. Let's just accept it. That life is hard because we've got an assignment from God to make a difference with our life. Coach says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. The stories we live on the earth will echo in eternity. It's a beautiful opportunity. But I had this moment where I arrived in Chester. It was hard. I didn't know where I was going to live. Didn't know what I was going to do. Didn't know where I was going to end up. And I moved into a house share. I got a job in a pizza restaurant. And I was volunteering as the youth pastor at church. And my car broke down. Everybody say, oh. Youth pastor and his car breaks down. Hi, God, am I going to be a youth pastor if my car's broke down? Took it to the garage. They pretty much said, hey, it's a total write-off. There's nothing we could do. And as I walked down to collect it, to bring it home, to scrap it, I was tears in my eyes walking from Saugal down into Blaken. And I was saying to the Lord, I said, well, God, I may as well just go back to Northern Ireland. I may as well just turn back because this must not be your will because my car's broke down and how can I be a youth pastor with no car? And I was operating in a place of disbelief and lack of faith. And I prayed, God, a flippant prayer said, God, it's your car. You've called me here, it's your car. You've got to sort it. A couple of weeks later, a family member comes up to visit and not knowing the story, not knowing anything about what was going on in my life at the time, they bought me a new car, which was unbelievable. It's new to me, it's a, a crazy moment. A Suzuki Swift had really nice alloy wheels, had a spoiler on the back. It's nice green, silver. Where's Josh? Josh drove it for a while, didn't you, Josh? Josh was also the youth pastor. He inherited my blessing, which because it was on its last limbs became his curse. <laughs> what would you do with it in the end? Did you scrap it? Welcome to being a youth pastor. Can I get a Tyler? Is that okay? Thank you so much. This audacious life. Can you imagine, thank you so much, the moment if I had have turned back, my gosh, if I'd have gone back to Northern Ireland, never would have met Lysandre, never would have married, wouldn't have seen it, wouldn't know all of you incredible people, wouldn't have done some of the awesome stuff I got to do the last couple of years, all because of a moment where I chose, even in the hardship, I wouldn't turn back. And some of you today are on the brink of turning back. Just like this story in Luke 9, verse 61, says, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first. I will follow you, Lord, but first. Let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the service and the kingdom of God. Man says to Jesus, I'll follow you, but first. Many of us today on the journey of becoming a Christian and being a Christian, talk to the Lord in our conversation was a little bit like mine walking from Saugal to Blake. And Lord, I will, but first. Lord, I'll do it, but first. God, I'll start that business, but first provide the finances. God, I'll invite that friend to church, but first let them ask me about church. God, I'll be a witness in my school, but first. God, we give God all of these conditions and God is simply looking for a heart that is available and is receptive and no matter what else is going on, we'll make a decision not to turn back. Maybe today you're on the brink of turning back. I wanna encourage you, keep moving forward. But you don't understand, Pastor Lee, it's tough. 
We all go through hardship in life. But the good news is we don't do it alone. In Romans 8, the Bible says this, verse 11, the Spirit of God who raised Christ Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, He will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. You have access to the same Spirit that Jesus had access to, the Holy Spirit, to live a life of fierce determination. No matter what you're facing, when you're on the road of following God, start with why. Don't get distracted and no turning back. There's a spirit that lives inside of you today and the devil wants you to operate in your flesh nature. He wants you to boil down Sunday gatherings to just something that you attend and not something that you experience. He wants to boil it all down to a moment where you make a decision for Jesus, which is awesome, but forget there's a lifestyle of following God, an audacious life, an adventure in pursuit after Him. If you're bored following God, you're doing it terribly wrong because there's a spirit from heaven given to us, the advocate to all who believe to live this incredible faith-filled life of following God. Oh, today, if you're on the brink of turning back, press into that spirit that's inside of you. It's not a spirit of the worship team, not a spirit of a preacher, not the spirit of the team or of the building of the church. It's the spirit of God. The Bible says in Chronicles, the spirit of the Lord. God is looking across the His eyes are ranging throughout the whole earth, looking for someone to strengthen whose hearts are fully committed to Him. If your heart is in alignment with God, He will give you the strength that you need. But He can't do it if you make a decision to turn back. Be fiercely determined. What is it in your world? What's that thing you think of that seems impossible? that's easier to give up on, it's easier to turn your back from. I wanna suggest today, start with why, don't get distracted, and no turning back. Can you imagine if we all did that? If we all lived fiercely determined? I think there'd be revivals in school. Do we want there to be revivals in school? They do more than you, wow. Do we want there to be revivals in school? Do we want there to be revivals in school? Come on. Fierce determination. Come on. Do we want our workmates to know God? Do we want our workmates to know God? Fierce determination. Do we want to start businesses that transform culture and change society? Be fiercely determined. You're going to school this week. Teachers, students. Uni students, be fiercely determined and watch what God will do. Right across this place, I just want to create a moment of a consecration moment right now. Just with every head bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to do two things just now. One is for you and you're a Christian already and you're on the brink of turning back. There's something God's been speaking to you about. There's something in your world. Maybe, hey, it's turning back from church, turning back from God, turning back from your assignment and your mission. Just right now as the band plays softly in the back. What is that thing? Allow the Lord to speak to you. Allow Him to press in on that thing that 
dream, that challenge, that ambition, make a decision, no turning back. God, I pray for the church right now, for those that are on the brink of turning back. Father, we pray for that spirit, that Romans 8, 11 spirit that lives inside of them to come alive in Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that you are both the lion and the lamb. And right now in this week, we'll get onto the lamb next week. This week in the lion moment, would the lion come alive? The fierce determination inside come alive. Where it's easier to give up, run away, get distracted, I pray for the lion to come alive. The lion of the tribe of Judah. Right now, Holy Spirit, would you restore confidence where it's gone? Right now, restore confidence. Where there's been disbelief, restore belief. Where there's been a lack of faith, restore faith. Where there's been an attitude of I can't do it, replace it with an attitude that through you, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. pray right now for those that have lost their sense of why. They feel like they're existing, but they're not living. They're surviving, they're not thriving. They're just going through the motions. The vision's cloudy, unsure. Thank you, God, that you've given us all a mission, a mandate, and assignment from heaven. And right now, Lord, we release that in Jesus' name. Would you give visions and dreams? Thank you that you said in the last days, these days, you pour out your spirit on all flesh. Young men see visions, old men dream dreams. Lord, right now, would visions come alive? Would dreams come alive? Where there's been disbelief, we impart faith and belief in Jesus' name. God, that appointed time, that's just a word for somebody right now. That appointed time is now. You heard that and you felt like it was in the distant future, but it's now. Dream a word, it's now. This is your time. It's an Esther moment. Surely you were born for such a time as this. You're about to press go in something, perhaps now is the moment. This week is the right week to press go. With a little bit of gut and fierce determination, press into the why. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Audacious podcast. For any more information, visit us online, audaciouschurch.com. We'd love for you to join us at one of our campuses, Manchester, Chester, or online every Sunday, 10 a.m. and 12 p.m.